What's up, guys? It's the phenomenal AJ Styles. You're listening to the two-man power trip. Hey, everybody out there. This is the franchise Shane Douglas. Remember me? <laughs> ECW World Heavyweight Champion. The ECW. When you want to load down a professional wrestling, come right here to the two-man power trip of wrestling. You'll get all the load down. <laughs> well, guys, it's great to be on the, on the show again. I appreciate you asking me back. It just You said you were going to pinch yourself. I didn't know it was that kind of show now. I mean, if you guys are in the privacy of your own home, if you want to do these things. but Chad and John, the two-man power trip. That's, uh, that's an awesome uh, name for yourselves. Good. How you doing, Chad? Hey, Johnny. Cool, man. What's going on? We ready to go or what? This is Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. This is Scotty Riggs, and you're listening to the two-man power trip of wrestling. Hey, man. What's up, guys? This is Homicide. Oh, that's my homie. Homicide with a big homie club. Yeah, that would be it. Hey, this is David Penzer, and this is the two-man power trip of wrestling. Well, thank you. Thank you. Hear me. Fear me. What's going on, guys? This is a 7-foot, 330-pound DNA of TNA. That's right. My DNA is outer space. And you're listening to the two-man power trip of professional wrestling. You know, I, I don't do many wrestling shows anymore, probably because I'm a bit ignorant. You guys probably know 10 times more than I do. Great talking to you guys. It's been your pleasure. <laughs> They've worked in and around the wrestling business. They've studied thousands of hours of wrestling, and now they bring to you the greatest legends, Hall of Famers, creative minds, and both current and future stars of pro wrestling. They are Primetime Pod and Chad, the two-man power trip of wrestling. This is the two-man power trip of wrestling brought to you today and powered by the icons of wrestling comic book collector fest at the 2300 arena in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania on Saturday, April 16th. Come join the two-man power trip of wrestling in a collection of some of the biggest names in the history of pro wrestling as we all converge on Philadelphia for one of the biggest events of the year and one of the greatest collection of superstars you'll ever see under one roof and head on over to tmptofwrestling.com for more information on how you can join us, the two-man power trip, and our friends, Justin Incredible, Kevin Thorne, and the franchise, Shane Douglas. Again, it's tmptofwrestling.com, and hit the Icons of Wrestling button. And with that being said, my name is Chad, and as always, I'm joined by my tag team partner, Primetime John Paz and John. Today on the show, we're joined by a guest who's given us one of our most favorite interviews to date, as it's former TNA superstar and the son of the legendary Eric Bischoff, Garrett Bischoff, joins us for what really was an awesome talk. And that's what I love about some of these interviews, is they don't turn into just a formulaic one question after one question, we actually get to talk and learn about what somebody's doing. And I can honestly say that Garrett Bischoff probably has one of the coolest gigs outside of professional wrestling that anybody is ever going to come by. And John, I know you're going to really get into that because you and he really hit it off when it came to what he's doing. And I got to tell you, 
just preparing for the interview was so fun just to see what Garrett is up to and what he's doing and then trying to kind of put the questions together as to how I'm going to ask, you know, what is this that he's doing? Because he's just got so many awesome ventures. And when you've got a last name like Bischoff, you know he's going to be creative and you know he's going to be pulling his resources into doing something really cool with his time. And, John, I'm not going to let you uh, wait any longer. Why don't we get in on the fun here? And why don't you talk about what what Garrett, excuse me, what Garrett Bischoff is doing outside of professional wrestling and how you and he really hit it off when it came to uh, said topic. Yes, Chad, you know what? What an interesting yet awesome episode we had with Garrett Bischoff. I say interesting because not always on our show do we get normal wrestlers, if if you know what I mean. And, and I say that in kind of a funny way because, you know, a lot of the guys we interview and a lot of guys in the wrestling business are a little wacky. And, of course, they have a little wacky personality and I know that's just kind of the way it goes in the wrestling business, but getting to know Garrett Bischoff and talking to him outside of the wrestling business, he's one of the nicest, most down-to-earth guys I have ever talked to. I mean, he's been great to me off-air. Uh, he just has a great head on his shoulders, and I, and I just love the conversations that we were able to have. And, yeah, he's such a great, nice guy, and you don't always get that with a lot of the wrestlers in the wrestling business. Some of them are all business. Some of them are, you know, just wacky in general from traveling so much or, you know, getting hit on the head too much. But I got to say, Garrett really, really has his head on straight and, and what a nice guy. And it's funny because his dad is so legendary. And obviously, if you follow our show, you know how much that we love WCW, and especially me. I'm such a big WCW fan. I'll take WCW over WWE any day. And Going back to the Monday Night Wars era, I've said this in the episode with Buff, I said it with Scotty Riggs, I've said it with all the WCW guys that we had on, I said I would take the booking of WCW from the NWO on basically over anything the WWE has ever done, so I mean that's saying much. And to think about all that and where that ties into Garrett is, he was backstage for a lot of that with his legendary father, obviously being Eric Bischoff running the show down there in WCW. So we do get into that with Garrett about being backstage, what that atmosphere was like, what that's like being backstage with, you know, the NWO, the Stings, the Lugers, the Steiners. I mean, it's got to be such a cool experience as a kid and being the age he was because he's about our age. And, and, you know, we knew growing up in that era how awesome it was and just imagine being backstage. So we do get into that a lot, which is really, really cool. And another really cool thing that I liked, and you know, as we're talking about him, quote unquote, growing up in the Bischoff family, think about what he said about his dad. Not only gave him great life lessons about the ins of the wrestling business and getting inside the wrestling business and what you need to look out for, and kind of just giving him great advice on what he needs to do with his career. But I also love the stuff where he was saying what his dad told him to do outside of the wrestling business: have a plan B, have a plan C. Always be ready for life outside of wrestling. Because wrestling, you know, if you think about it, doesn't always last for a very long time for the majority of wrestlers. Yeah, it's a really cool take on uh, growing up Bischoff there, you know, in the Nitro era, in the Monday Night War, in where I guess you and I, John, probably would have loved to have been rubbing elbows with the NWO at its peak. And uh, definitely... You know, really cool to see that his dad is is such an influence on his life and that he really speaks so highly 
of Eric Bischoff. And it's just really nice to see. And of course, you know, being so wise about some of the things that he told him and Garrett was nice enough to share with us some of the advice that he gave him about not just his career and not just what he wants to do with getting into professional wrestling. And it's actually kind of funny that Eric was kind of vehemently against him, or maybe not vehemently, but just against him getting into professional wrestling. And it's a great story that Garrett tells us about, you know, the advice that his dad gave him. But, you know, the advice that he gave him about having backup plans is something that I think every father can relate to. Uh, you know, maybe myself and John, maybe we're, uh, we have little ones, so maybe that talk is a little bit down the road. But I know with my own personal experience, it's always good when your dad tells you that, look, you can do your career, you got this, but it's always good to have that backup. And coming from a guy like Eric Bischoff, to us, he's easy E. To Garrett, he's dad. But it's got to be something very reassuring when your father is that much in your corner and gives you that kind of sound advice because not just having a plan A, not just having a plan B, but also having a plan C, it never hurts. Especially when your plan B or plan C is as cool as what Garrett Bischoff is doing today. Now, speaking of you know, plan B, plan C, and stuff that his father kind of gave him the advice on, you got to think about what wrestlers are doing now and Garrett's what he's doing now is so cool and so awesome he's a part of the Scenarian Desert Institute at sdi.edu and it's all about firearms technology which is awesome it's an accredited college and it's all about becoming a gunsmith which is deep in his family roots which is really cool which we get into with his grandfather and stuff like that so that was really really cool stuff and it's awesome to see what the guys are doing now away from the business and Garrett Bischoff like I said before I mean this guy's really got his head on his shoulders and he's doing stuff that's not only something to make money and doing you know like his dad said plan B and plan C but it's also doing something that's a passion of his that's kind of inbred in him that's kind of in his family so that's really really awesome and besides all that I mean they're traveling around the world he's absolutely doing what he loves so it's awesome to hear that he's not only successful doing what he's doing now but that he absolutely loves it and he has a passion for it and that being a gunsmith has been in his family you know longer than wrestling has Exactly. That's a great point. But speaking of wrestling, John, why don't we stick there since we haven't even gotten into it yet? And that's Garrett's wrestling career. And of course, we remember him from his time in TNA wrestling, a pretty, uh, pretty good little run in TNA. I got to say it was really uh, it was it was very cool to see how he evolved from the referee Jackson James all the way through his run with the Aces and Eights, which on this show has had many, many, many opponents of the Aces and Eights, but never anybody actually from the group. So this is the first time that we actually were able to focus on the group itself from the inside looking out rather than the outside looking in. And it's kind of funny. The running joke that I've, I've really kept going with people is that the Aces and Eights storyline has gone on for so long that it kind of like should be its own episode. It should always be something that we just kind of dedicate a, a lump of time to because there was so much in that story to break down, whether it was the turns or the betrayals or the reveals or the, you know, the story wide arc that would build from the opening segment all the way through the end. The aces and eights really took up a huge part of TNA television for a very long time. And Garrett being a gigantic part of the group from its beginning through its end and we get to find out what his take was and really it was a great run and I always say the joke that I've told with John is that you know we've always said hey uh 
aces and eights, you know, what do you think about it? Well, you know, it's another story for a different day because, yes, it is a quite complex story that went on for quite a long time, but it was really cool to get Garrett's take on it. And, John, when you think about aces and eights, you think about what they did with it, what they could have done with it. But at the end of the day, you know, it was a, a huge chunk of TNA's history, and it really established Garrett Bischoff as his own entity in professional wrestling. Yes, yes, yes. Gotta talk, when you talk to Garrett Bischoff and when you talk about TNA and talk about his run there, you gotta talk about the aces and eights. Obviously, we go into Garrett's whole career. We talk about being trained by the Dudleys, uh, by the Nasties, being involved in Knox Pro over there with Rakishi and Gangrel. So, I mean, we go in-depth. We go into all the training. We talk a little Hulk Hogan. Obviously, we talk about his father. We talk a little WCW. talk a little NWO, but most importantly... Uh, as it pertains to Garrett, we talked to the very, very polarizing aces and eights. Now, this is something that we always are interested in talking about, and so many people have so many opinions on it, because like I said, the aces and eights is so polarizing. And one cool thing about it, like we do talk about, he got to team with his buddy, Wes Briscoe, and obviously they've teamed since then down in Florida and things like that on the indie scene, but they're good friends, and that's an awesome thing to say, because... I can just think of me and you, Chad, how awesome it would be if we were in the wrestling business. We were buddies, and we're wrestling together. We're in a cool faction together. We're on TV together. It's just an awesome thought to really have there. But going back to the Aces and Eights, they were never really given a chance. We go really deep into into it with Gary, excuse me, and we talk about how it was kind of cut short a little bit, whether by accident, by chance. I mean, who knows with TNA sometimes with what, what goes on there as far as why they cut it short or why some things are happening. But I always thought they had a little bit of a longer run in them. And it was very interesting the way it was actually done. I really think that it's almost talking about too negatively when people refer to the Aces and Eights in that TNA era. I really think that with the Aces and Eights that it was a little underrated in a way because if you really see how they put it all together and how it was all done... It was actually pretty well done, and there's an awesome video that TNA put out, and I'm sure you can find it on YouTube, where they go in each step of what happened in the Aces and Eights, the booking of it, the unmasking, everything else. So that's really cool. I really recommend you check that out. And outside of the Aces and Eights, obviously Garrett started as a referee, Jackson James, which is really cool, and you get to really hear all the cool stories about that. So this is one of those can't-miss episodes that you're really, really going to enjoy. And if you want to learn more about Garrett Bischoff and learn more about being a gunsmith, I mentioned it before, that is the Scenarian Desert Institute. That's sdi.edu for more information on all your firearms technology, and that is an accredited college. Without a doubt, and of course, stay tuned for Garrett's plugs to get all of the information yet again, including where you can find him in the social media universe. And John, you mentioned it very, very briefly, and it's kind of funny. If we were in professional wrestling as a tag team, I would definitely, definitely think that you're going to turn on me probably within about five minutes of stepping into the ring for the first time. So I'm going to look the other way, and let's just stick to the podcast. Let's stick to the two-man power trip of wrestling, and I'll see you, partner, on April 16th at the Icons of Wrestling Comic Book Collector Fest in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania at the 2300 Arena. Join the two-man power trip of wrestling and our guest, 
just incredible Kevin Thorne and the franchise Shane Douglas in the old ECW arena with two originals and one member of the new breed. Something is bound to happen. And you can head on over to TMPTofWrestling.com for more information on that event. Now, John, before we throw it over to the interview, hit him with a little bit of two-man power trip of wrestling business and get it on over to Garrett Bischoff. And now for some TMPT business. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at WrestlingPal and at Two Man Power Trip. Subscribe to us on YouTube. Also, please subscribe to us on iTunes. Leave us a review. We would love to hear your feedback. Also, check out the feed for prior great episodes featuring the late great American Dream, Dusty Rhodes, Harley Race, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, Stan the Lariat Henson, Dale the Patriot Wilkes, Matt Morgan. Homicide, and so, so, so many more, so please check that out. Also, you can check us out on Player FM, the I-95 Sports Network, and the Top Rope Press Radio Network on TopRopePress.com. Also, please check out our Pro Wrestling T-Store. It is new, and it is awesome. So check out the TMPT, Two-Man Power Trip of Wrestling page, on ProWrestlingTees.com, and order one of our shirts today. Also, wire over there. Scroll over to the Kevin Thorne page where you can become a member of the Bite Club. And speaking of Kevin Thorne, if you're looking to book Kevin Thorne, a.k.a. Mordecai, a.k.a. Kevin Fertig, please email bookings at tmptofwrestling.com. That is bookings at tmptofwrestling.com. And now, without any further ado, a former TNA wrestling superstar, a former member of the Aces and Eights, the son of the legendary Eric Bischoff, he is Garrett Bischoff. Please enjoy. here at the International Sportsman's Expo in Arizona and trying not to spend all the money I'm trying to make on all the cool stuff that I want. <laughs> That's awesome. No, I'll tell you what, I mean, just, you know, just following your Twitter feed, you have one of the most, like, interesting non-wrestling capacity roles I've ever seen. It's just so cool what, what you're doing, and I can't wait to uh, to learn all about it here in a couple minutes. Oh, right on. Appreciate it. Yeah. yeah. It's a good time. I try to dabble on as many different things as I can, so... <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, we're going to get started right here. And joining us on the line tonight is a former TNA superstar, a former member of the group Aces and Eights. You know him from the legendary Bischoff family. He is Garrett Bischoff. Thank you so much for joining the two-man power trip of wrestling. Oh, man, thank you guys for having me. Oh, it's our pleasure. And there's so many things that we want to talk about with you because we have Aces and Eights is a, is a whole dichotomy onto its own because we always talk about it when we have former TNA guests on, but we haven't had somebody from the group. So we're going to get to that, and we're going to get to all the great stuff that's been going on with your dad and WWE. But first, 
I want to start with you, and we were just saying this before we were going on the air here, is I think you have one of the most interesting uh, either post-wrestling or current wrestling, side jobs or whatever you're doing now, you have one of the most interesting gigs I've ever seen. Why don't you tell us what you're doing? Because if you follow your Twitter feed, it's got some of the coolest pictures and experiences I think anybody could possibly see. <laughs> I appreciate that. It is. It's a lot of fun. Um, I work for a, a school, uh, Sonoran Desert Institute, um, and I work for their firearms technology division. And that's exactly what we are, is a firearms technology college. Um, we are a nationally accredited college, so you can earn college credits for all of our pro- or most of our programs. Um, and what we do is we specialize in uh, in gunsmithing, ballistics and reloading. Um, we have armorers courses in the AR platform and a 1911 platform. We can do an AR-10, uh, an AR-15, a 300 blackout. Um, we have basic intro to gunsmithing. I have an advanced gunsmithing program. I even have an associate's degree in firearm science. So it really just depends on how deep down the rabbit hole one wants to go, uh, you know, whether they're looking for something for a hobby or a full-time career or whatever the case may be, you know, we got something for you. Uh, and like I said, it's all nationally accredited. So you can actually, this is really legit college education. We just teach firearms instead of common core math. <laughs> <laughs> Which I think that a lot of people uh, wish they had one on them when they have to do some of that common core math. It's, uh <laughs> It's pretty ridiculous, but how do you get going into something like that? Because that's just, that is so unbelievably awesome. Just all that stuff you just said that, you know, to get down that path, what led you that way? You know, honestly, it, relationships I met through wrestling. Um, I came up, I was a friend of a friend, came to me and uh, said, hey, you know, we got this, this is what we're doing and this is who we're doing it with. And this was going on about a year and a half ago, maybe two years ago. Um and he said, you know, we, you know, with your social media presence and you are a very, you're, you're a supporter of this. Um, and, it, and firearms is something I grew up around, something my father grew up around. So he taught me at a very young age um, about firearms and firearm safety and firearm maintenance and repair, you know, little stuff. My grandfather was a gunsmith uh, in his earlier days. So it's it's been something that's kind of been in my family for a long time. So it's something I've always been very proactive about and very interested in and had a passion for. Um, so back to back to the how I got into it, I, uh, I said a friend of a friend came to me and said, hey, this is who I work with, this is uh, what we're doing, and we'd love to do some PR stuff with you, basically, uh, support the school and kind of do some things, and, uh, and you tell us what you think about it. And I did, and I loved it so much, and it was such a great program, and the way they do things – as a college, uh, it was just for someone who despises school and always has, um, I was blown away by it and I loved it. And, uh, the rest is history. About about six months later, I, I asked and said, Hey guys, listen, if there's ever, if there's anything I can do, uh, you know, just keep me in mind. I love, I love what you guys do and I'd love to be a part of it. And, um, not too much longer after that, I, I got a phone call and here we are. You're just a little over a year later. And, um, it's been nothing but great ever since. It's a great. It's, I work with great people. I have a great team. Um, I'm on the road 200 days a year, uh, doing shows all over the United States, uh, gun shows and expos and military bases and law enforcement conventions. I mean, all, all kinds of great stuff. One of the reasons we do military so much is we are actually GI Bill funded. We're also a Title IV college, so um, 
veterans and active duty can, uh, through the military assistance, go through our college. So it's a great school. It's a great program. I couldn't have asked for a better group of people to be working with. It's It's been nothing but great. That's awesome. And I'll tell you, another cool thing is, you know, all these dates and stuff, it's like a wrestler schedule, 200 dates a year. You get to travel all around the country. But, you know, we know from uh, the Bischoff lineage that doing things outside of wrestling is uh, is in the blood there because we've seen how your dad has just he's been able to really transcend into so many other outlets outside of wrestling and for yourself to then be doing something outside of wrestling and being successful. Is that just like, is that cool to you to see that world that there is, uh, you know, there is like, uh, not that there's another world outside of wrestling, but there's a lot of professional stuff out there that really once you kind of get in some place, it just it really takes off. It is. And, and, you know, and that's one thing that my my father, especially both my parents, but especially my father, just drilled, especially into my head because I'm a hard-headed individual. Um, <laughs> my sister is always a little bit smarter about going about things that kind of way. Um, but you, you just you never put all your eggs in one basket. Always have a plan B, C, D, and E because plan A may not go the way you want it to go. For whatever reason, you know, things happen. And, you, you know, and the wrestling world is a is a big, is one of those big things because things can end very quickly. And, you know, at, you do this long enough and all of a sudden you're in your mid-30s or, or 40s and, all of a sudden, that comes to an end. Well, you still got another few decades to make your living out of it. And now, what do you do? The only thing, you know, the only thing I knew how to do was bartend and wrestle. The only thing I was good at. <laughs> so I'd know, but not for the rest of my life that I want to be a bartender. And uh, you know, wrestling is what it is. It's the nature of the beast. As much as I love it, and it's in my blood. Um, I, there's, there wasn't a, my time was up, so to speak, at least for now. So, but I have a family to support. I have a wife that, yeah, to support, and uh, we gotta we gotta pay the bills. So, um, that being said, you know that entrepreneurial was always in, instilled in us. Uh, you know, always, always, always have a plan B. Always have a plan C. Find other things that you're that you like to do, and you know that way, if something happens, you got a backup plan. Definitely, and great advice uh, from Pops there for sure. Now with you know, talking about the wrestling business, did he encourage you to get into the wrestling business? Did he not want you to get in the wrestling business? How did you, you know, eventually become, you know, a big part of the wrestling business? No, he did everything he could to keep me from getting into the wrestling business. Yeah, he didn't. He, obviously, my parents' support, they've always been very, very great about supporting my sister and I and whatever it is that we wanted to do, for the most part. Um, but also, you know, he... He's been in the he's been in the wrestling business for a long, long time. He sees what it does to you. He sees what it does to your body. It's, you know the unstableness of it sometimes, and you know it's I'm, and being that was the dad in him. You know, looking out for for me. Yeah, you know, he he didn't. He he tried very hard to talk me out of it, but he also knew that there probably wasn't any way to talk me out of it. Um, so after after a few weeks or a few months or so trying. I think uh, it was finally he realized that it just wasn't going to work. So, like, you know what? Let it just uh, go, let's go give her hell then. So, if we're going to do it, we're going to do it as best we can. So that's what we did. And you definitely grew up in the wrestling business. There's, you know, no doubt about that. But who actually did the training for you? Like, who was your main trainer when you actually decided, hey, I'm going to put, you know, put on the boots and strap them up, and I'm going to jump in the ring? 
the first my first training my first wrestling school was um, Knox Pro out in California. That's uh, uh, Rakishi's school. Uh, David David Heath, Gangrel, and Reno Onohe, the Black Pearl. Those guys were those guys who were literally the first ones to break me in, so to speak. Um, phenomenal, phenomenal guys inside and outside of the ring. Um, they really care and love about love this business, and they care about training and and teaching you the right way. And it's they great great group of guys. I couldn't have asked for anything better. Um, after that, after I got done in California, um, I ended up down in Florida, and I ended up with Brian Nobbs, Nasty Boys. Remember them? Oh, of course, yeah, yeah. So Brian Nobbs had his wrestling school. Uh, and as you can imagine, it was called Nastyville, <laughs> and uh, and uh, that's that's kind of where I stayed until I got got going with TNA, and then everything else was uh, literally learning on the fly. You know, just getting out there and getting 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 it in from from guys that you know from working with uh, working with all the veterans, which I had the opportunity to work with a lot of great ones, and very fortunate for that. Was it kind of weird as you're like you know growing up in the business and then eventually training? Is it kind of weird because you've basically grown up in the business your whole life? Basically, you know, you were almost as if you like obviously your dad was one of the W and thus he was a member of the NWO. It's like almost like you're, you're a member of the NWO as a kid and all this other stuff. Did you almost feel like you were always in the wrestling business even though you were never really trained? No, not at all. Um, you know, I've I had a always had a massive amount of respect for those guys for those guys when I was young. Um, these are all guys that I looked up to and, you know, to me were larger than life and um but even that being said, at a young age it was also in, you know, as cool as everybody was, they let me get in the ring and roll around and, you know, work with me when I was little and you know, stuff like that. But it was also very put you know, very much instilled in me that you know, listen, you don't just get to get in here and do this because you are who you are. If you're gonna get in here one day you're gonna earn it. You don't just get to go in here and you know, because you're got the last name Bischoff. And that's that's the way I that's the way I was raised on it. And I knew going into it that I was gonna have to work hard, you know, extremely hard, if not even a little bit harder than normal, just to overcome that and to prove that I didn't just think I was there because I had a right to be. I wanted to be there because I earned it. And that's how I looked at it. That's how I went into it. And it came time to get in the, in the locker room or get in the, in the ring or go over things or do whatever it was we were going to do, I shut up and I listened. That's, you know, that's what I did. And uh, that's, that's just the way you got to do it. You don't, nobody's going to give you anything in there. You got to, you got to earn it. So true. And so well said. And it's interesting because, you know, there's got to be a little bit of pressure on you being, you know, Eric Bischoff's son. Do you think that was a lot of pressure on you in, as you're going through the business, as you're going through all your training and everything? Of course. You know, there's there's always that in the back of my mind. Um, but I kind of had, like I said earlier, kind of prepared myself for that. I knew it was going to be an uphill fight. I knew that people were automatically going to despise me um, just because, you know, without really even giving me a chance. Um, and when I say that, I don't mean anybody, any of the boys in the locker room because they were nothing but good. Um, but I knew fans, you know, people on the outside. I knew, I knew that it would be an uphill fight, but I didn't care. You know, I would just take that and I was going to use it to my, and, and use it as fuel to, 
to to drive that train, and I did, you know, to the best of my abilities. Um, you know, just went out there and and did my job and to to the best I could, and loved every minute of it. Did you have a lot of experience, not like physical experience, but you know, from watching the shows, or maybe even being backstage at Nitro when you were a kid, or maybe being at WWE pay per views? Did you get a lot of experience just kind of from like doing the eye test and kind of just put that all in your mind and then save it until you actually started training? Yeah, I think some of that helped me. Absolutely. Um, you know, understanding the structure and how a show, the shows are run and um, what goes into them. And uh, I think that, that all played a part in it. Um, it definitely gave me a, a step up, I think. Um, I don't say I, I knew it all by any means going into this, but I think it was definitely a, a, a different type of education that not obviously not everybody was um, able to have. So, yeah, I think that helps. Um, can't really put one finger on one particular skill, but I think all of it combined, um, just it really did. It helped out a lot. And also, if you remember, my first, when I first got the TNA, I was a referee for a long time. Yes, and that was, and you know, I learned so much from Brian Hebner and Earl Hebner. I mean, those guys took me under their wing, and I learned so much from them. And, and I, that also played a huge part when it was time to switch over to wrestling. You know, I got to see these things and from a different point of view. So when it was time for me to get in there, I kind of had a different, a different way of looking at it or seeing it, if that makes any sense. Um, so that that all all that combined, I think that that helps. And when you were a referee, I mean, obviously you came in, you weren't Garrett Bischoff, you were Jackson James. Was there any mm-hmm. sort of a reason behind that name? Is that that a name that you know you thought of, or is it just something to make sure people didn't think that you were, you know, Eric's son at, at first? Kind of both. We did it for two reasons. One, we didn't know what we wanted to do later on down the road. So we wanted to try and, and protect it as much as possible just in case we decided to, to do a, whatever we were going to do with it, swerving or, or whatever. Um, but the main reason I did that is so that I could have an opportunity, especially with the people the people I was going to be working with, to at least get in there for a few weeks and get comfortable without automatically being judged. Um, that was a way for me to just kind of get there and build a little bit of relationship, a, a foundation with, with these people, um, with everybody, without anybody knowing who I was. Not because I didn't trust anybody at, at all. It was just, it's human nature. You know, and you, it, it, human nature is, is, it is what it is. So that was, that. those were the two reasons why we did that. And then, you know, when you kind of, revealed it to the to, to public and, and and obviously everyone in the back already knew, but did you get in any sort of backstage heat after the fact, like, oh, it really is, the, you know, Eric Bischoff's son here? Nope. Nobody, not from anybody that, that I worked with. Um, at least that I never, that, at least that never came to light. I'm sure there there, there might have been a handful or one or two guys that might have gone, ah, okay, that was a little screwy. But um, I think as time went on and I, as I everybody realized that I wasn't going in there expecting a handout. I was going in there and trying to learn and do my best to, to learn that and hone that craft and taking advice and listening to the guys that have, that have been there for a long time. Um, I don't, I think that all went, you know, whatever little bit may have been there went away. 
And obviously the Bischoff family legacy, if you think about it, your dad, the only guy in the history of the business to knock off Vince McMahon, almost put him bankrupt. And, you know, it just shows you the power of your dad and what he was doing at WCW and the NWO and everything else. Was it kind of almost surreal in, in a way to be ending up feuding with him? Like when you first got there, obviously, you know, you guys had the, the lockdown teams together. Was it almost, you know, a little bit of a surreal moment that you guys are actually feuding at this point? It was. <laughs> it was... It was surreal. It was, uh, it was fun. It was obviously nerve-wracking as hell. Uh, it was all wrapped into one. <laughs> so it was, it was a blast, though. You know, it's it's the one thing I always want to do. And I, I remember I said this at one point. I said, you know, if, if black, if this, if this, if my wrestling career only lasts two years or three years or four years, whatever it is, one thing I do want to accomplish is being able to be in there with my dad. That's how I grew up. And that's I want to make that happen at somehow, some way. And and I got to accomplish that. And you know, no one can ever take that away from me. And we had a blast doing it together. It was it was a lot of fun. Not necessarily the part where he beat me with a cane pole for fifteen <laughs> minutes. But other than that, I mean it was all pretty fun though. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely gonna be cool for sure and and especially a really cool but odd, you know, father son moment definitely. And I can't help but think of right now in WWE, they're putting out a DVD, or I guess it's coming out in a few months. They're putting out a DVD to honor your father. They interviewed him and everything else. So mm-hmm. it's great to get his side of the story instead of the the narrative or the false narrative that Vince always put out there, like oh, WWE was this, WWE was that. It's great to get the Eric Bischoff side of it. Do you think it's really cool that he's finally getting his just due and he's getting a DVD and he's been putting on the and being on the network as well? From WWE? Yeah, yeah, I very much do. And, you know, I don't think there's, any, there's no heat or animosity there between those guys anymore. Um, you know, that was all squashed a long, long, long time ago. Um, but, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, I mean, I'm very, very proud of everything my dad's done. He's, a, he's a, you know, an amazingly smart man, and he did something that nobody had ever else had ever done. Um, so, yeah, for absolutely. You know, I think he, you know, he's more than earned, earned his stripes. And uh, I'm excited. I'm excited to see it um, myself. I'm excited for it to come out. And, um, I think I think it's very cool that 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 they're doing that. You know, I think it's uh, long overdue, but you know, at least it's coming out now, which is great. But you can't mention Eric Bischoff without mentioning Hollywood, Hulk Hogan, and in <laughs> TNA. You know, you they were basically saying that Hogan was training and stuff. But what is your relationship like, and what has it been like with Hulk Hogan? Because obviously your dad is a longtime friend and, and business partner and associate of the Hulkster. Yeah, you know, I, a longtime family friend, you know, um, and always has been uh, with the whole family. And you know, he's a, he's an amazing guy. And Hulk did have a, you know, I learned a lot from him. Um, he did have some parts in, in not the in-ring stuff, so to speak, but you know, there's a lot of lot of lot to learn outside of the ring as well. And I've been very fortunate, lucky enough to be able to have been with him for years and years and years on multiple occasions and just listen, you know, just listen to what he has to say and listen to and why he does things the way he does and why things happen the way they happen. You know, that's that's information that, you know, it's, it's knowledge and college, it's a college education, you know, nobody can buy. So it's it's it was very cool. Like I said, very fortunate. You'll hear me say that word a lot. I'm, I'm very lucky and I'm very fortunate to have had the opportunity to experience the thing that I did the way I did. 
Definitely. And it's kind of a shame now with all this crazy stuff going on with the Hulkster with the Amp Stalker thing and, uh, you know, the, the, the comments that they recorded and everything else. It's just kind of a shame because, you know, the God of Wrestling, they're trying to tear him down. You ever get the feeling that, you know, they're portraying Hogan in a terrible light and it's not like that, you know, at all? You know, I it is what it is. I don't, I, I stay away from all that. Um, I know who he is. The world knows who he is, and I'm not worried. You know, uh, that's. I stay. I'll stay away from that one. He is a true blue uh, all American, and us here on the show, we're we're huge Hulkamaniacs, so we're hoping that everything goes well, you know, with him on that front. But if I could go back to your actual career, because we were saying Hogan helped you a lot, but working with Gunner. Was that a good learning experience? Because you guys, it seemed like, you know, we're working hand-in-hand hand week after week, and, you know, within TNA and Impact. Yeah, no, Gunner, um, they had us, you know, so, you know, married at the hip for, for quite some time, and everything there was everything you saw on TV, and then we were working house show loops in between. Um, and it was great. Uh, Gunner, is a, you know, he's one of my best friends of this day, to be honest with you. Um, he, I learned a ton from him. It hurts getting hit by that big SOB. You know, he didn't he didn't take he didn't take it easy on me by any means. But it's what helped me learn. You know, he's a he's a very passionate and intense um and smart and he knows you know, he knows he knows how to work. And um he 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 helped me out a ton. Uh, I give a lot of credit. He was one of the first long term, you know, matches that I had or long term uh stories I had with, with him and I bet you I've been in the ring in and out of the ring field you know, fifty times with that guy. And every time it just got better and more intense and better and more intense. And, you know, we, we had a lot of great matches. Uh, like I said, he's still one of my, he's one of my best friends of the day. Yeah. Like you said, you guys were definitely married at the hip for a while. and It was kind of cool. And then a little bit partnered off because it was you and Jeff Hardy, you faced Gunner and Kurt Angle. And then it kind of spun off where you kind of yeah. had your own little mini feud going on with Kurt who has recently, you know, retired. Um, well, he's gone from TNA, but I guess he has retired from the business. But what are your thoughts on Kurt Angle and kind of what he taught you? Oh man, I I you don't have enough time on this phone call for me to give you all the good <laughs> things that I have to say about Kurt Angle. He he was another one, and he is such a good guy. And his mission is to help guys like me, you know, the young guys coming up. Um. And same thing, he is intense. He is one of the most, if not the most intense person I've ever been in the ring with. I mean, when you're in the ring with Kurt Angle, you know you're in the ring with Kurt Angle. You're not going to forget it for a few days afterwards either. It's, but it's, it's so much fun. And he's, his only goal in, in the match is to make sure that you're, he's helping you learn and, do, and hone your craft and do, help you do the job. He's, He's a phenomenal teacher. Um, he loves to do it. He has a passion for it. And uh, uh, I, like I said, there's I can't say enough good things about Kurt Angle. I, every time I see him, I tell him thank you. <laughs> it's just, it's he just he's a phenomenal guy. Definitely a big time legend in the business for sure. And I hope he isn't retired. But you know, if he is, what an amazing career he absolutely had. But you also had a good learning experience in your team with Devon uh, Dudley for a while, who's now in WB back again. Mm-hmm. But, you know, another good you know guy to learn from under the learning tree. What was it like coming and learning from Devon? 
I had a blast working with Devon. He's my brother from another mother. Yeah, he, <laughs> he was uh, Devon is he's great, and we had a lot of fun. Um, and we did uh, we worked some matches together where it was you know were before I turned heel, and then you know obviously they put us together in the aces and eights. So I got to do both sides with them. We tagged together as babyface, babyface. Um, so I've worked with them, I've tagged with them, I've worked against them. So I got to do all kind of all, you know a little bit of everything with him. And he's he's a blast to run with. And same thing, you know, I can say the same thing about all these guys. They they love to teach, and they they have a passion for teaching. So and they take it seriously. And if you go in there and you're humble and you you want you're eager to learn there's nothing that these guys won't do for you so or to help you along the way. It's same thing. I still talk to Devon at least once or twice a month. You know, just, even if it's just a, hey, what's up, brother? How you doing? You know, so and, and same thing goes for Bubba. You know, that's what these guys do. They they have 3D Academy in Orlando. That's what they do. It's one of the best wrestling schools you can go to. Um, yeah, that's, that's what their passion is. They love to teach. They have a passion for teaching. They want to see wrestling 30, 40, 50 years down the road from now, 60 years down the road. You know, they want the next generation to keep going. So if you're, if you're eager to learn and you can you can just show up and, and tough it out and shut up and listen, um, yeah, there's, no, there's no better guys to, to help you along the way. Definitely want to get into aces and eights in just one second, but I wanted to mention before you got into aces and eights, they kind of paired you up with Wes Briscoe. And it seems like you guys would have a lot in common as far as legendary fathers in the business. So did you guys gel very well together? Yeah, absolutely we did. Same thing. Still one of my best friends to this day. Just talked to him the other day, actually. Um, yeah, we had a blast. It was, uh, it was, it was cool. It was cool because, like you said, it was, you know, Briscoe and Bischoff, and it was, there's some fun dynamics to work with there. Um, you know, we, we clicked right off the bat. You know, it was the first, I think, by, the, by our second tag match, we were already kind of reading each other's minds. And uh, we still tag together every once in a while. You know, he lives not too far from me in Florida, and uh, we'll, we'll see, we still get together and do some some small stuff just for just for the fun of it. And get back together, do some tagging here and there. It's a great, great pairing. And of course, now we're going to transition into aces and eights. We'll spend a couple minutes here because, like I said off the top, we've had other people on who were facing the group, but we've never had anybody in from the group who can give us the perspective, especially from your perspective, about it. Because on paper as it started, could possibly have been one of the most innovative angles to come down the pike in years. I mean, it was just an absolute polarizing angle to start off. Uh, And as it was slow burning and it was starting to kind of develop, uh, you really saw elements of how the story, you know, got going. Now, when you were approached about joining the group, what were your thoughts about getting into something like Aces and Eights, being that it was – such a, you know, you went from being the baby face to now an absolute hardcore heel with this awesome stable. I, my exact words were, hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I saw the writing on the wall. I saw how people were acting to it. And I was like, absolutely awesome. You know, this is just a cool, edgy, something that nobody's seen really since the NWO, generate, you know, Degeneration X. Um, so it was not brand, you know, the, the idea of it was, you know, what we were doing, the physicality of it was, was new, but the idea of it really wasn't. But nobody had seen it in a long time. Nobody had seen anything like this, this edginess and this raw, you know, just nastiness since Degeneration X. And then there you go. Nobody, you know, nothing, it hadn't been done again. So in a sense, it was new and fresh. And 
it was man, it was a lot of fun. There was that where there was there was a real heat with that group that hadn't been seen in wrestling anywhere, to be honest with you, in a long, long time. Um, we actually had people throwing stuff in the rings at us in, in in Europe again. Nobody's done that since NWO. You know, the ring was, was littered with trash by the time we left. Oh, it was so awesome. It, it was such a great, uh, great pairing at first. But, you know, as it developed, uh, what did you think about how the, score, the story got going? Because it was so dark and gritty to start off, and it was really raw. You know, and, mm-hmm. and I feel like as it developed, it, it kind of lost that edge once guys started to lose their mask. But when you went from being just, you know, uh, uh, under the mask to being revealed, do you think that changed the dynamic of the group? Me personally changed the dynamic of the group or everybody? As you... Just do you think that when the mask started to come off each guy, that that changed the dynamic of what the group was portraying I, I on see. the air? Well, yeah, but it had to. You know, you can't do that forever. It had to eventually. Everybody had to be unveiled. That was part of the hype. Um, so, so yes, it changed. But I don't think it was a, a bad thing. Uh, I think once we, you know, once we figured it out, you can only dangle the carrot for so long before people are going, eh, okay, whatever. I'm going to go find a different carrot. Um, so I think that I think that timing was right. Absolutely. Um, the way that we, the way that we were doing things, the coming through the crowd, all that stuff. You know, it's all stuff that nobody, same thing, nobody had seen in forever. You know the backstage stuff that we were doing, taking people hostage, and yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. I think it I, ended. I got too, it. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, I was gonna say I think I think it ended too soon. I think they, there could have been a lot more we could have done with that. But you know what? That's the my job was to show up and do what they asked me to do, and that was it. So that's what we did. Without a doubt, those backstage segments were intense, and John and I always talk about the one that they had with uh, Hulk being held hostage and uh, looking for Joseph Park, which just, you know, the the Hulk Hogan uh, dynamic as being the guy feuding against him was just absolutely unbelievable at that point. And having Hulk Hogan as really the main guy that you're feuding with just kind of raises the, the bar for the group itself because you're going after the biggest guy, not just in the company, but the biggest guy in the history of the business, and that's where the slow burn came with each guy becoming, you know, revealed and what their role was either against TNA or letting people into the building. Was there anybody that was going to be in the group that then at the last second it was pulled? Because it seemed like the way some guys were kind of sprinkled in that you really could have put anybody in the vest. It's almost similar to the NWO. You could have put anybody in the vest and they would have succeeded. Uh, no, not necessarily. We kind of had an idea what was going to happen, or they did. I should say we, like, we, we had to make the decisions, but, um, it, you know, they had it, they, they knew what they were doing with it and who they wanted to go with it. There may have been a, a little bit of question, on, you know, for a little while on a few people, but for the most part, um, and it had nothing to do with other than just who was going to be the right fit. Um, but no, there wasn't anything like that. Um, they, they had a good idea of, of who they wanted. I do know that, you know, part of the the one thing that they wanted to make sure not happen is grow it too fast. Too many people too fast. Um, so that was good. They didn't do that, and I think that helped us that helped out a lot. Oh, without a doubt, yeah, and it was such a long-standing feud, and that's another thing that you don't see anymore really in wrestling. You don't let this, the stories develop, and the Aces and Eights story was just one that really just captivated TNA television for so long, but you mentioned it coming to an end too soon, and I agree, and even though I'm saying that it was long, it still ended a little bit too soon, 
And when Bully Ray was revealed to be the leader of Aces and Eights, uh, I don't not that I say it lost steam. I just feel like it really could have gone further with Bully being the guy uh, dominating, you know, the roster and then revealing himself. But what do you think about when he was revealed to be the leader and having him be that force in the middle of the ring each week for those promos? And he just he stepped up his game to another level as the top uh, heel for TNA. Yeah, no, I think you, I think it was a great fit. I mean, he he portrayed that character extremely well. He, you know, he's another very intense. You know, when he's out there, he's he's all about it. And uh, I think it was a great fit. You know, I love you know, love working with Bully. I think uh, you know he knows how to he knows how to do his job to the to the best of anybody's ability, and uh, it was fantastic. Um, yeah, he knows he knows how to make people hate him. You know, if you if he knows how to make you hate him, and that's that's what we needed, and that's that's what he did. Do you have a a personal favorite Aces and Eights moment when you look back at it? Because obviously your reveal was uh, was pretty awesome. Wes Briscoe's reveal was pretty awesome. Even Delo's reveal was another really cool, shocking uh, turn. But is there uh, one Aces and Eights moment that really stands out to you? Oh man. Uh, I'd have to say that moment when we were in Europe, when I told you when uh, when he ended up with the belt and all that trash was coming in the ring and people, I mean, there wasn't a soul in that building that wasn't booing or hating or mfing us or anything like that. And just that that passion, that, that feeling that you get, it's, I can't describe it, I can't tell you about it. It's just all I can say is it was one of the coolest things I've ever felt. Definitely, and like obviously, you know. Aces and Eights would have another uh, lockdown match against TNA. Did you like, uh, you know, obviously, you know, you would kind of get very well acquainted with those lockdown matches. Did you like having those matches? You know, pure chaos, a, a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of weapons, a, a lot of stiff, stiff shots. Did you enjoy uh, the lockdown match? Because it seems to become one of your matches. <laughs> yeah, I think I ended up in one each year for three years. Um, yep. I, I liked it there only once a year. <laughs> <laughs> Like that, I didn't have to do it more than that. But no, it's fun. There, there's a. It's kind of. It is. It's chaos, um, and it's not even necessarily organized chaos. It's about as organized as it can get for, you know, that many people in the ring. You know, getting beat with trash cans and tables and anything else that you know we got our hands on. So, but yeah, it's it's fun. You know, lockdown matches are always a good time. You know, you kind of it's like an old schoolyard rumble kind of. You know, whatever that feeling you used to get. You know, you knew you were going to get a fight after school. And all day long, the anticipation kind of built a little bit more, you know, a little bit more nervous, a little bit more excited, a little more nervous, a little more excited. And by the time you got to it, even if you got your ass kicked and you got punched in the head a dozen times, you don't feel it because your adrenaline's pumping. So, and that's kind of the same feeling I used to get before lockout matches. You knew it was going to be a rumble. You knew everybody was going out there and, you know, they're going to take care of each other, but you know everybody's going to go out there and bring you, bring it to the table. And that's what we did. I think the last one I did that lockdown one, I ended up on the top of a on the top of the cage, under a tower or on top of the tower, and uh, I think I, I think I got suplexed off the top there. Crazy spot, yes. That was fun. That was fun. Definitely a crazy cool spot there. I mean, in TNA though, you know, you got, even got to work with your old trainer, the Nasty Boys. You you got in there with Sting, AJ Styles, Samoa Joe. So what was it like wrestling some of those guys? I mean, because think about that, you know, when you first started and to then being actually in the ring with some of those guys. I mean, it's 
the kind of uh, like a real cool moment. Like, wow, I train with Nas. Now I'm wrestling. When I'm the kid, I'm literally at the show watching Sting. Now I'm wrestling him. Is that like a cool thing for you? It was very, very cool. And Sting was one of those guys that when I was growing up was always one of the nicest guys ever. Yeah, he just he's just a really down to earth cool guy. And I it was a lot of <laughs> it was it was a whole roller coaster of emotions really because you know it, it is it's like man I, I even though I knew you on a different level because um, I was you know Bischoff's kid running around backstage but hmm. I was always still a fan so being able to now be a be in the ring with them and working with them um, you know it's it's an honor you know like, you know not many people in the world get to do something like that and it's very very grateful for the opportunity to be able to get in there with those guys. Um, I can never say thank you to those guys enough because they could have gone the other way very easily. Uh, so it's, it was very cool, very cool feeling. And then obviously, like I mentioned, AJ Styles and Samoa Joe, who are both now you know in WWE and uh, enjoying their life and uh, their time up there. But when you're wrestling guys like that, do you kind of see them and, and think like, you know, these guys are at the top of their game? I, you know, these are the guys I want to be in the ring with. Oh, absolutely. Um, guy, Samoa Joe. I mean, here's another way. I, you, every time you bring up a name, I kind of have the same story. I guess I probably sound like I'm repeating myself, but it's only because, every, like I said earlier, all those guys are so professional and so cool. And you know, I got to be in the ring with Samoa Joe a lot. I got to be in the ring with AJ Styles a few times, not as much as some of the other guys, um, but enough. And same thing. They're just so helpful. They're so eager to teach. They're, if you're eager to learn, they're eager to teach. And, you know, they're phenomenal athletes, obviously. I mean, Samoa Joe and AJ Styles, I mean, you can't you, you can't not have a, a fun match with those guys. It's just, they're a blast. And they're they're just they're, they love what they do with a passion. And as long as you're in there uh, willing to willing to do the same and put up the same effort, then they're they're all about it. And as I start to wind it down here, Ken Anderson kind of just made some uh, some big time news. He uh, he uh, had some you know unpleasant things to say about uh, TNA, I guess, uh, as he exited the company. But you know, you got a chance to work with him as well, and obviously he was a part of the Aces and Eights. But his how driver to you kind of just and obviously you know storyline related, but it kind of ended your run there. Was that uh, you know a little bit of bittersweet? That did you want the TNA run to end, or did you feel you know it had a little bit more legs, or were you gone and your dad were kind of gone at the same time? No, at that time I didn't know that that was going to be my end. But the last time I stepped foot on TNA stage, so oh, wow. um, <laughs> there, 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 there was I had no idea that was going to be it. Um, my actual contractual departure didn't take place until maybe a little more over a year after that. Oh, um, wow. So, uh, but you know what? It, it is what it is. Like I said earlier, it's, it's, that's how the wrestling business is. You, 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 you know, one minute you're, you're going 150 miles an hour, the next minute you're not. And it is what it is. I don't hold a grudge. I'm not bitter. I don't hold a hard feelings against anybody. Um, you know, it is, that's the business. So, it's uh yeah I I I say thank you to everybody that you know was a part of helping me out there I had a great time while I was there on to the next on to the next phase of my life absolutely and you're doing uh, I didn't, quite well I didn't oh sorry I didn't read I don't know what interview Ken Anderson gave I didn't read it so I'm not sure what the 
what he said or what it was, but I'm sure whatever it was, he he feels what he feels. So <laughs> uh, he's a great guy though too. I uh, he's a great guy. He loves to hunt. He loves to fish. He loves outside. Uh, we uh, we try to we try to go hunting together once a year. Again. He basically uh, he said two words. One begins with an F, and then the second one was, was a TNA. So <laughs> there, well, <laughs> there you have it. Um, obviously, you know, uh, some legal issues and, and stuff like that came up with, um, you know, you can't really get into it too much with the TNA, but I guess, was there, you know, hard feelings on your end when they were, you know, basically gone from TNA? Nah, like I said, I don't hold a grudge. I don't hold it. I'm not bitter. I don't have time for it. Um, it is what it is. Business is business is business and things will work themselves out however they need to in the future. But, uh, I don't. If it's business is business, I don't I don't hold a grudge. I don't have any hard feelings. I don't. I'm not bitter about anything. Do you have a favorite match or maybe matches you had when you were there? Because you wrestled so many, like we talked about, so many good guys and so many good yeah. learning experiences. So any uh, yeah. names pick out? No, I really couldn't pick just one. Uh, they, they're all they were all unique in their own ways. They're all different, and uh, you know, it's, you kind of heard me repeat myself for the last half hour here about how how much. I <laughs> Guys that, that I worked with, so it's I couldn't pick just one to be honest with you. They're all they're all uh, all unique, so just different. Is there any like dream match out there of a guy you didn't get? I know you, you you said you had the chance to wrestle so many good guys, but is there any guy out there you never got the chance to wrestle that was always kind of you know on on your mind? Like man, I wish because you even wrestled your dad. So, I mean, is there any guy that would you you know real dream match for you that you would love to wrestle one day? Kurt Henning. Obviously, that's not going to happen, but I always loved growing up watching Mr. Perfect. <laughs> loved it. He's the best heel ever in my eyes. I, I wish, uh, wish I would have had the opportunity to work for him. He's no doubt about it, a huge, huge legend. And I know you kind of said a little bit before with you said your dad gave you great advice. And he said, always have a plan B, always have a plan C always have a great backup plan, but what was kind of the best advice he ever, you know, ever gave you as far as in, like, inside the wrestling business? Oh, God, inside the room, like, oh, man, there's a, that's a lot, there's a lot of, <laughs> there's a lot of lessons learned there. Um, you know, they, I guess, to, to be honest, it's just there and, you know, relax, learn to, you know, hone your craft, um, and just, Go out there and be you. Take who you are and just turn the level up on it, you know, times 100 when you're out there. And just be you. If you try to be someone you're not, it's going to come off very fake, very phony. Part of the reason why that Aces and Eight character works for me so well, because that's kind of how I am. Obviously, I'm not an outlaw by any means, but I'm that, that you know, I, when I wake up in the morning, it's a, it's a pair of holy jeans and a pair of Harley boots, and, you know, I'll jump on my bike and disappear on a, on a ride for a few hours or you know, I, I grew up riding, but it's that that character was just kind of me, just turned up a little bit. You know. Just whatever you do, don't kidnap Joseph Parks again. But before uh, <laughs> before we end here, we get to your plugs. I just want to uh, just like to ask, especially somebody like you who's got you know a lot more to do uh, in your professional career, wrestling career, everything. Where do you see yourself in five years? Is it still wrestling? You know, here and there. Is it going full into what you're doing? Uh, outside of wrestling, or what do you what do you think you'll be doing in five years? You know, um, to be my my five year plan is to continue to grow with this company I'm with right now, Sonoran Desert Institute. Um, 
You heard me talking about them earlier, and I very, very much enjoy and believe in and am passionate about what they do and what we teach. And uh, I see myself continuing to grow with them, um, and, and I'm dedicated to them and committed to them um, as they are to me. So that's where I see myself with them. As far as wrestling goes, you know, you never say never. There's there's never any absolutes in this business. Um, as in, I said earlier, you know, you can just never know there could be an opportunity to knock on my doorstep someday in the future. Who knows? And at that time, we'll cross that bridge when it comes. But for now, my uh, my eyes are set on on expanding and growing with this, with this college and continuing to, to work and grow and move up with them. Very nice. Now, that's awesome, and we really appreciate you coming on tonight. Of course, uh, Garrett Bischoff is one bad cat, and if you could, please share with the listeners and the fans of the Two-Man Power Trip of Wrestling just exactly where they can find Garrett Bischoff. You can find me uh, at Garrett Bischoff on Twitter. Um, Instagram is Garrett underscore, no, Garrett Bischoff underscore O-B-C-I-N-C. Um, you can catch me at garrett.bischoff at sbi.edu for any information on uh, what we do for the school. Um, you can check out the school's website at www.sdi.edu, and it's the firearms technology division. So if you're on there, if, uh, if, if learning gunsmithing is something that may be in your future or you've got some GI bill that you want to use if you haven't used it yet, please reach out to me, get me an email, and I can get you guys that email again. So. Later on, you can you can if anybody asks you, you can forward it on. But um, you know that's 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 where it's at. 